You're listening to The Bomb Girls Beacon, a podcast dedicated to the television show Bomb Girls. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Annie. And I'm Stephanie. And we will primarily be discussing the first two seasons of the series of Bomb Girls, but there may be some spoilers from the movie Facing the Enemy as well. So if you have not seen the series and the movie, just as a warning, there could be some spoilers ahead for you. And for our history tidbit for this episode, the Canadian government encouraged women to work in factories, machine shops, and other heavy industries by offering free childcare and tax breaks. Why they still don't offer free childcare, I'm not entirely sure. That's a really good idea. Just gonna say that. <laughs> but the drink special for Kate, we decided a gimlet would be a good drink special for her because it includes lime cordial, which Betty mentions at the beginning of season two, she still keeps a bottle in her room because that's Kate's favorite. So a gimlet has two and a half ounces gin or vodka, half ounce lime cordial, and a half ounce of fresh lime juice. And they're pretty good. They are pretty good, actually. Unless somebody doesn't know how to make you a gimlet. Because I ordered one once, and the guy's all patronizing, and you sure you want that? That's pretty strong there, little lady. He didn't actually say little lady, but it was implied. <laughs> His and tone then, said it. Yeah. And then what he gave me was basically vodka, neat vodka with a twist of of lime peel. Yeah. I was like, that's not a not a gimlet. But anyway. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like it would have gotten you drunk faster. I still drank it. <laughs> it was not too strong for me. This little lady was fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so as as Stephanie briefly mentioned, this episode is about Kate. Good old Kate Andrews, formerly known as Marion Rowley. And we're introduced to her in the series as basically a, a runaway. The opening scene with Kate, she's with her family, and her dad's a street preacher, a rather strict street preacher. And so her mom helps her run away, gives her a new identity and some cash, and tells her to go. And so that's really the defining characteristic of Kate when we meet her. she She's run away and she's starting a new life. And it's revealed pretty quickly that not only was her father very strict and probably emotionally abusive, but he was physically abusive as well. We see when she gets into the shower that she has marks on her back from where he, he beat her. And he, her very like strict religious background is very much a is very important to sort of her character development. She's sort of rebelling in the in the first season and then kind of like loses her way in regards to her religious beliefs in the second season. Yeah, it is really the defining defining characteristic, I guess. To me, I I liked Kate's intro because intercut with Gladys's intro where, you know, you see her, oh, she's got a man, she's very rich, very wealthy contrasted with Kate, who's running away from something, and even her family is, aside from her mother, I don't think she had any allies. You know, she's running away in that first scene, her brother, out of all people, is yelling at her, you're gonna burn, sister. And I'm like, my god, how kind of brainwashed do the rest of her family have to be that if you disobey the rules, that's what kind of life you're gonna have. So we see her running and breaking away, and I think, to me, I had instant sympathy for her, partially because of how... Betty saw her, and then how Betty treated her and really became a friend very quickly, and could, how Betty could see her, and that she needed a friend, and that she said, it's okay, you're going to be fine here, whatever you're running away from. Betty could see that right away. So I think that helped the audience see right away what Kate was running from, 
that she had this very abusive past that we can only imagine. And I think, I know Charlotte Hegley, she, Hegley, she said she did a lot of research into PTSD and abuse, and she thought that was important for her character. So I thought that was very interesting, because it affects Kate's character all the way through. How you see her open up, and even in the first episode where she starts singing when she's on the line, I thought that was such that was really beautiful that she retained that kind of purity even from singing on the street with her street preacher father who was very abusive and very strict that she still retained that talent. So I like how that story starts out with her. Well, and Bomb Girls really, it, well, I think it does have some sympathetic male characters for sure. It very much sort of sets up this dynamic of women being an oppressed class in society at this time. And it, it does it sort of through different ways. Like we see the men in the factories being very derisive toward the women working there. We see Gladys's father being very controlling and not letting her do this and that. And I think Kate's situation with her family adds sort of a different portrayal of that kind of domination that men have over had over women during this time even when we see her brother not being an ally toward her it really it's only her mother another woman who's helpful to her in her situation mm-hmm. well because of course i mean her mother is probably similarly oppressed within the family mm-hmm. so for sure yeah it it makes sense that that's i mean at least she had her mother so yeah I have to say, I given what we see between Kate and her brother in the beginning of episode one, it surprises me that in season two, she's like sending them letters and things like that. It seems like their relationship takes a little bit of a... That surprised me too. Yeah. It, it's like it gets better all of a sudden and I, I don't really understand why. Yeah. I got thrown off by that also. I guess the only thing I can think of, and, and we do find out later that the mother had taken the brothers with her when she left their father. So I, but of course Kate doesn't know that. So right. Yeah. Kate's response, I guess is just Kate being Kate and sort of loving them anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I didn't know if it, I can't remember if it was something that was just referenced. It was never shown that, that suddenly she was sending them letters and that it was just mentioned that she was doing that. You know, not that she was, not that, I don't know if you ever see her brothers on screen again. No. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, oh, where did this come from? But as you say, Kate being Kate, she's still somehow retained a very pure intentions. I think because she was raised almost in such a strict way that she doesn't know anything about the world. So she'll still. Well, she does describe them to Ivan as just little boys. Yeah. But the brother that we see on screen in the first episode looks to be a teenager. He looks like he's at least 13, 14, 15 years old. Right. But that might be... So it might just be some poor continuity on the writer's part, but it might be that that's revealing of Kate's mindset toward them, perhaps. She Mm -hmm. feels like they were maybe uh, victimized, brainwashed by her father, and they're just... They're little boys, and she needs to take care of them still. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, it could be Kate sort of thinking, well, they're just, and of course, Kate wouldn't use this phrasing, but they're just dumb kids and don't know better. So, mm-hmm. right. I wouldn't put it past Kate to think the best of, or assume the best of people. So during the first season, Kate is really exploring the world in a new way that she hasn't done before. Very true. And I mean, she she mentions that at some points, too. And it's sort of, it's all over her face anyway. Mm-hmm. 
she kind of reminds me of Amish kids on Rum Springa, which is a time when, because Amish, the Amish aren't baptized at birth. They're baptized as adults. And before they choose to join the church, they get a period of time called Rum Springa where they leave their families. They leave the Amish community. They're allowed to dress English is, is the word that they use for sort of mainstream society, drive cars, do all sorts of things that they're not allowed to do per their religion before they decide if they want to join the church or not. So she's, she kind of reminds me of an Amish kid on Rumspringa. Yeah. I mean, we do see that with Kate where she gets to, you know, drink and smoke. And I, I love seeing her like when she goes to like the jewel box for the first time and sees what people do when they're just out dancing and just flirting with soldiers and things like that. It's really amusing. And she gets to hear blues and jazz and, mm -hmm. and Billie Holiday. And that's where she really finds a lot of love and passion is hearing these different kinds of music that she's never heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do get a lot of scenes of, of Kate and her sort of wide-eyed wonderment at <laughs> the great many things that are out there in the world. Of course, among those things, she needs her security papers. And so she ends up doing the cheesecake photos. Which I love that everybody's acting like they're <gasps> so scandalous. Well, back in the Which day they were, just, weren't they? Well, uh, right, but they, uh, well, there were more scandalous things going on in the 1940s than that. I, I, there were more naked pictures going on than that, but they hmm. were definitely more so, scandalous but... back in the 40s than they yeah. would be today. Yeah. Oh, there's there's been naked pictures for, for since there's been photography. <laughs> that's true. Okay. Yeah. And I was just wondering that, there were naked paintings and yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering how many, you know, what the level of nakedness was in those kind of pictures that soldiers passed around. So I was just curious. So, but, but yeah, poor Kate, she's like, people are going to see these, but, um, it's such my reaction is she looks great. And Betty's reaction too, as well, which is so funny. And, I love it when Kate is trying to do her own security papers and she's crumpling it up. She goes, darn it, darn it all the heck. It's like, that's how they had profanity in those days. But it's so cute well, to but see it's Kate. Kate doing it. It's yeah, Kate. I know. Yeah, Which it's is also Kate. what I was going to say is that, I mean. It just makes me giggle. <laughs> they, they treat the photos as scandalous, but the people who find them most scandalous are Kate and her father. So right. it's, it's from a certain perspective, the, yeah. right. the scandal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the first time we really see Kate seem to struggle with some of the things she's doing in her mm -hmm. life now and, and have them kind of clash with her, with her upbringing. Cause part of this, it's been kind of like, Oh, fun. You know, I'm smoking and drinking and being around boys, but, but this is really something that causes her to lash out at Betty and try to blame her for her actions. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though Betty was just trying to help her and she totally volunteered. Yep. But it's okay because they make up before very long. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. And I, I think, I think Kate kind of almost grows to get used to the photos after a bit. Like, or I don't know. Maybe it's just Betty, but. And I guess the other time in season one where her new identity almost gets her in trouble is with the locket that mm -hmm. Lorna finds mm -hmm. that says Marion on it. And, and Lorna thinks that she's stolen the locket. Yeah. But no, she just picked it up off of the street, which is also a lie. So she's she's not no, a she's thief. Lying. She's just a liar. She's just a liar. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, but I do wonder why Lorna was quite so suspicious, because my first thought was, well, maybe it was her mother's or 
some relative who passed away or something like that. Mm-hmm. You'd think that Kate would, well, see, Kate's just not a very good liar. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I would have confronted her about it to begin with. If I were Lorna, I would have maybe assumed it belonged to somebody that was close to Kate. But uh, to be fair, I mean, a lot of the first season, especially, is sort of about Lorna being a suspicious person. Yeah. It's true. She's she's kind of a busybody and has her, likes to put her fingers in everything, but it's out of... It's out of good intentions, I mean, when it comes to her girls, but she she didn't want to make sure any of them were messed up in anything funny, but I think that's where her mind would go to first. I don't know, that she would think she'd stolen it. It was established that there was a thief in their presence. That's right, there had been some, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that, that is in the same episode where Hazel is stealing things from Mm -hmm. Gladys. Yeah, the perfume. Yeah, speaking of Kate being a liar... I was saying she wasn't a very good liar, but she actually does a fair amount of lying, but it's all it's all to protect herself, so you know. We're not being judgmental by calling right. Kate a liar necessarily, but she does lie quite a bit. Yeah, I was joking before. But but yeah, <laughs> she does make up a new family when Ivan asks. Which if we had Kate's family, he'd probably lie about that too, right? And I have to say she's pretty good at coming up with details off the top of her head when Ivan's quizzing her. But I guess maybe she'd thought about it prior to that. I was going to say, maybe Kate had spent her childhood or perhaps her teen years or, or whatever coming up with the family she'd rather have. Mm-hmm. How nice it would be if her father was, was a veterinarian instead of was a, nice guy. a mean street preacher. That held her underwater. But I thought that she did think very quickly on her feet when... When her mothers come back and they're at their bridal shower and Lorna makes reference to her father being a vet and her mother replies, no, Vernon was a pacifist. And then Kate jumps in with, oh, that's a joke in the family. You know, what do you call a soldier who never fights a veterinarian, you know, <laughs> um, or a vet who never fights or something like that. So she she does get to where she's pretty good at lying quickly, like lying on her feet. Mm hmm. Yeah, but I think at that point, especially when her mother comes back, the all the lies are getting to a point where it's harder to make people believe them. Especially since her mother comes out of nowhere. Oh, by the way, she's alive. So I think that's where it gets kind of tricky. So I mean, that that happens at the end of the second season where everything's closing in already. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So and of course, it leads to that horrible, horrible confrontation with Ivan and. While I don't know that I ever really thought Kate and Ivan were meant to be, it was really difficult seeing that relationship kind of implode on Kate. Yeah, because, you know, however it turned out, you know that's not how any of them really wanted any of that to end. Right. Yeah. So in thinking about each of our main characters, I, f- I feel like for most of them, it's fairly clear how World War II has affected them, either positively or negatively. Most of them fairly positively. It's given them a lot of opportunities. But it took me a moment to really puzzle out how Kate's storyline really was affected by the f- or Kate's experience, I should say, is really kind of affected by the war. And and I guess what I came up with was because the war was going on, because there was these lack of workers in, in the factories, 
and all of these women were coming from small towns into the cities, it made it a lot easier for Kate to run away from her family and find a job and get set up in housing pretty quickly. Like, I feel like if the war hadn't been going on, it would have maybe been more noticeable if there was a woman traveling by herself or, you know, if, if a woman shows up in a big city by herself, that would have maybe red, raised some red flags. But because of the situation, Kate was more easily able to slip away from her family. Right. We actually see some of that play out again in the second season when Reggie and the new workers show up. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it is. Or we, we see that that sort of thing is happening, that women are moving to different cities for employment opportunities. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Yeah, and that was historically accurate from one of the books I read about bomb girls uh, in the UK, that they would travel from all over the country in Scotland to just be placed wherever they were needed. And some of them actually got so homesick, they were actually sent home because they lost too much weight and weren't as productive on the line. So, But the thing with Kate is that I actually thought it was the opposite with her storyline. I mean, I know it has to make sense, but I was like, well, her father was still able to find her at the end of season one, so I don't know if she moved that far away. And then they obviously didn't move too far away because then Betty was still able to find out where they were at the beginning of season two. So they were still kind of in the same city or area. Well, her father found her through the photographer who took the pictures of her. Yeah. So then, of course, that makes you wonder... How did her father find the photos? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So it make it would make sense to me that the photos would have been out there more broadly in Canada and that he would have maybe been able to track it back to Toronto. But what it's what it sounds like from what Kate says is they travel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as the street preacher. He he travels a lot. And so it is kind of weird that they stuck around Toronto at the beginning of season two, but You know, they lived in a caravan, so I guess they just had stuck around the city because they had no money or something. Yeah. Yeah. She said they didn't have any money, so that might be why. But lucky for Betty and Gladys, they were still able to find her right in the nick of time. Yeah. But I think another thing that might have made Kate escaping her family easily, more more easily in this era, was that uh, there was a large market for forged paperwork at this time, as we see both from from Kate's storyline and from Reggie's storyline. So she was maybe more easily able to get forged papers that would allow her to work on the line and get a new identity. Right. So yes, as as we talked about, Kate is the new girl at Victory Munitions. And so, you know, changing her identity and everything, she actually blends in fairly easily because she is the new girl. And so that's that's the introduction into the series, or the main thread of the series at Victory Munitions, that Kate is the new girl, and so is Gladys. But of course, Gladys, coming from a different and really higher profile background, Kate is more easily more easily integrated into the group than Gladys is. And I kind of wonder if Gladys coming when she did might not have helped Kate blend in more quickly because even though she was the new girl, she wasn't quite as alien as Gladys was to the working class or middle class women who were in the pa- in the factories. Right, makes sense. And the fact that Kate and Gladys were both new girls probably helps them to form the friendship that they had. Right, because one of the early scenes between the two is when 
the that the dirty bomb has gone off and management's trying to blame the the women on the line and you know Gladys tries to be Gladys and be a crusader and say we women we have ideas and how you can improve the factory and nobody will step up and turn on Gladys and say you know why did you let them know we were talking we can't lose our jobs and one of the first thing first scenes we get kind of with just Kate and Gladys is where Kate kind of tells Gladys you know we don't nobody asked for you to come in and be Joan of Arc you, you, nobody asked for a leader and and so I think Kate felt like a kinship with Gladys because of the fact that they were both new and she's like the only one who would really let Gladys in on the kind of the mental workings of, of the women in the factory. And I can't remember if that's, if it's that storyline or which storyline it is, but I think there's one, it seems like it's that one where, you know, everybody's sort of turned on Gladys and Gladys turns and looks specifically at Kate for backup and doesn't get it in front of the group. And, and you can tell Gladys is pretty upset about that. I think it might be later on in the same episode. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it is in that episode. Annie? Well, I think I agree because, yeah, I, I do feel like that's a good point that Kate would be the one to tell Gladys this is how it is because, you know, as the new girl, she can go up and, st- and say something to her because she can imply to her, you know, look, I know what it's, you know, you don't know what it's like. I know what it's like to be out on the street, to live on the street, to have no money, you know, to be cold all the time. And that's kind of all in what she's saying saying you can't just bust in here with your ideas because this is what it means if we lose a job. So, yeah, I agree on that. Because, you know, we have to look at what Kate has lived besides an abusive life. She's also lived very, you know, she is, like, you know, lower to middle class. She's also lived a very frugal life, I'm sure, and a very hard life. But, you know, what we see first is the abuse she suffered. But, you know, I'm sure for her that was just the way of life, was not having a lot of money or a lot of things. And I, and I think, I think this is part of Kate's personality, but I think the fact that she's new to the area, she doesn't know anybody unlike the, the other women who have made friendships or even are from the area. Kate is willing to, to like reach out to Gladys and try to be friends with her because we really see that's the relationship that kind of pulls Gladys into Betty's orbit, even though I think Gladys and Betty become closer, especially in the second season. It's first like Gladys, like coming to Kate and trying to be friends with Kate that gets them that threesome kind of together. Right. And, you know, Kate and Betty getting back to the boarding house and, and Betty next time, just you and me. Just you and me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Cause Gladys tags along to the, to the blues club where Leon is playing (laughs) and ruins Betty's date with Kate. (laughs) Damn it. It's like damn rich girl ruining my hopes for the evening. But and I also I also really like the the moment between Gladys and Kate where they've they've spotted James talking to Hazel on the street and and Gladys says something like, I have to go talk to them, I wanna see what's going on and Kate's all I think you do know. She's like, Aw mm-hmm. Kate's sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh Kate. Another big storyline that Kate has in the first season is like we mentioned, she's just getting all this exposure to new types of music like jazz and blues. And we see her really to come to love those, those genres of music and try to develop her singing through her relationship with Leon. Right. Leon, who calls her church mouse, which is sort of endearing. 
I really like Leon and I really like the relationship that we see between Leon and, and Kate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because at first Leon was really resistant to forming a friendship with her. And he's like, you know, we're not supposed to be together. We're not supposed to be talking. You know, it's a social difference. It's a class difference as well as a, you know, racial difference of the time. And I, I find it endearing how Kate is very persistent and wants to learn what he's singing and to expose herself to a different kind of music. So I love how she eventually learns how to sing these different types of music and eventually has an act at the, at the club. I do love that Kate's kind of either, either oblivious or just doesn't care about, about those societal class differences that you were, Mm -hmm. well, the societal difference that, that you're just talking about that, that Leon seems very concerned about it and Kate just doesn't care. And I think part of it is frankly being naive, but I do think it also says a lot about Kate's character that it's, it's not, it's not a concern that she has. Yeah. I, because when, when she first starts talking to Leon, she asks Betty, have you ever talked to a Negro before? And Betty says, I try not to make a habit of it. And, and Kate says, that that was my first time. So she, it's not that she seems particularly exposed to people who are different from her. But yeah, I get the sense that she just doesn't care. Or she is so taken with, you know, the music that she hears Leon producing that she, you know, that just becomes so, so unimportant to her that she ignores these sort of social niceties or social rules and and just kind of goes for it to try to develop a relationship with him. Right. Of course, I suppose one could also argue that really, if anybody has any issues with their fraternizing, for lack of a better word, really Kate's not going to be the one who gets the brunt of the crap that Mm -hmm. will come down from it. So, Mm -hmm. Right. It'll be Leon. So it would it would make sense why Leon would be more resistant was yeah that's a good point because it would be more likely that he would be blamed for if something happened or whatever yeah because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to get in trouble he doesn't want to lose his job things like that well because I mean Mr. Akins sees them not doing anything more than talking yeah and he gets very put out about it but if if I remember correctly it's the other workers in the storeroom it's donald and and the other guys telling him you shouldn't be talking to her that makes him reconsider and turn around and say you know who should check out is billy holiday right because donald's an ass because donald's an ass donald is always an ass (laughs) and chris encourages leon to hit him again Um (laughs) leon and i'm a little sorry that betty's friends stopped her from putting the smackdown on him (laughs) so to speak. But I I like by the end of the first season, right before the, oh my gosh, just train wreck of of Betty trying to make a pass at Kate. That makes me so sad every time. Kate is sitting at a piano and she's telling Betty that before I used to sing to feel something, now I feel something and then I sing. So I like how her, her singing is used to communicate how she's kind of healing herself from her past with her father. Yeah, it, it used to be an escape, and now it's it's a real joy for her. And we see that, you know, a little bit, going to the movie a little bit, just how she's flourished 
that's like one of the first scenes you see her is her up on stage. And you're just like, wow. So it's really nice. I do like that music is sort of the through line of Kate's story. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we get Kate being exposed to jazz and blues and scat singing, including Stephanie's favorite. Is when she's practicing scat singing and she's, you know, beep bop boo boo wow, Betty's at the door. I just, I, that makes me smile every time <laughs> when she's scat singing about Betty. <laughs> As it should. It's pretty adorable. But speaking of, of scandalous things that aren't all that scandalous in, in terms of, of what we see nowadays, Kate manages to do a fairly, you know, tasteful yet sexy burlesque act in, in the second season. Indeed. With Vera's training and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Gladys's stole. And a little bit of leg. But, again, tasteful, but a little risque for the time, but... uh... But she wasn't even... I mean, there was the... If we're we're talking risque burlesque acts, the one, I think it was... Was it after Kate or was it before Kate? Before Kate. Before, uh, yeah. I guess it was the the audition after Kate and the yeah, who started off Kate. in like a corset and garter belts and stockings and yeah, right. she started out that way. Right, she started out <laughs> less dressed than Kate ended up. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's a big step for Kate, so that's what matters. And I like that she kind of fulfilled the requirements of having it be a burlesque act, but at the same time, she still made it about her singing. Like, because that was what was important to her. She won an opportunity to sing in front of people, and so that was really the most important part of her act was her song. Even though she she did do a little bit of a tease as well. Right. She didn't compromise the way that she did when she did the cheesecake photos. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She still retains her sense of values of what's important to her. And I thought when she was auditioning for the burlesque act, she got a really great moment where the director basically told her, you know, you look like you've never been kissed. Nobody's going to pay to watch you sing. And she goes over and just plants one on Ivan and turns to the director and said, see, I have been kissed. You've seen it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I I almost felt kind of bad for Ivan in that moment, just because like, Ivan's just kind of a prop (laughs) in that moment. (laughs) But then Ivan didn't really seem to mind. So no, so I didn't feel too bad. He was kind of a jerk to her about you're not going to do this in front of men and blah, blah, blah. But he did at least apologize afterward. Right. So Apologize and propose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I thought, and that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that before, Chris, when you mentioned it. But the kind of progression from Kate compromising her values and doing kind of the cheesecake photos in the first season to the burlesque act, where she's much more in control of herself, but still, you know, still willing to exploit the avenues that are available to her in this time, but but not compromising your values in the same way that she did in the first season. Right. Well, in, to be fair, they had the big, extremely significant moment for Kate in between those of her father dying. Right. Because, I mean, that's, I think everything or virtually everything that Kate does in the first season especially is dictated by I think, fear of her father. I mean, we've seen she had, I think, one or two, you know, sort of anxiety attacks that we see, or either anxiety attacks or or nightmarish type things. 
we see that her father is still very much hanging over her. He, he, he still is instilling a lot of fear in her, even though he, her, he's not there physically. And, and I have to say those scenes where we see her get freaked out and think and imagine that her father has come back are very creepy. They, they genuinely mm-hmm. scare me when, whenever I watch them. Yes. I mean, he is very much a, a looming presence in her mind, if not physically there in her life. So mm-hmm. to me, a lot of the things Kate does or does not do or worries about doing are because of that. So of course, the fact that he dies and she sees him die at the beginning of the second season, we really see that play out through the second season. That, you know, at first she just sort of goes into this weird spiral where she's just acting sort of not like herself at all. And so it sort of takes a while for her to regain her sense of self, I think, following that. Right. And it's where we really see that Kate, you know, she still believes in God. It's not that she's abandoned her faith entirely, despite her her rather strict upbringing. And the fact that she doesn't feel like she's a child of God anymore because she can't mourn her father's death, you know, that, that really makes me feel for Kate to have her have that kind of crisis of faith that's clearly just sort of shaken her so badly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder how much of Kate and what she's feeling is not just because her father died and she has to deal with him still lingering in her mind because of everything he put her through, but she also has to wonder about the role um, she had in his death because he was, you know, literally after her and trying to wrestle her and trying to force her back to him and to his life. And it was just an accident that it happened that he went over the railing, but still she has to feel an incredible amount of guilt. Like he's the reason why I, he was up there in the first place, and then piled with the fact that Betty was there trying to save me from this life and her feelings that she can't figure out for Betty. So it's no wonder that she is out of sorts and not herself after he dies. It was traumatic for anybody. You know, he's still her father, even if he put her through all that. So it's just, I think, a whole maelstrom of emotions and things and people that she has to sort through in her mind of how she feels after him dying. And and as we see in the beginning of the second season, Kate says that she can't sing anymore. You know, we, we saw at the end of the first season where she had really claimed her singing. It was no longer just an escape. It was an emotional outpouring for her. But then she goes back with her father and he basically takes that away from her again. And, and she loses her voice and her ability to sing, which I think is really what kind of keeps her in a dark place for a while. I feel like if she didn't feel, if her father hadn't taken her singing away from her, she might have been able to bounce back a little more quickly. And our friend Sally, who is also a Bomb Girls fan and sent me an extensive email when I told her we were going to do these recordings, she says, what I don't have a firm sense of is whether Kate honestly loves Ivan or whether dating him was a reaction to Betty's awkward advance and her own recoiling from it, informed by her religious upbringing. I got the sense also that Ivan was a rebound, not that Kate was rebounding from Betty, but that the whirlwind romance was part of her reaction to finally having thrown off her oppressive family and life. And I... I agree that Ivan, I I think she cared for Ivan. I really do. And I I think she did 
love him in some sense. I don't know that she was necessarily in love with him as she as much as she was maybe in love with the idea of Ivan, you know, of of settling down and finding a nice normal stable life. Yeah, and I I think that the fact that her relationship with her father ended so horribly she really wanted a nice a sense of normalcy after that. So I agree. I think she more liked the idea of Ivan rather than Ivan himself. Not that Ivan was a bad guy, but I, I think she more wanted a what she thought of as sort of a normal family life. Yeah, I think she's her reaction is, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. What's kind of been dictated by how I've been brought up. I'm going to get married, have a stable life, find a nice guy, settle down. After the war is over, just leave my job and just I'll have security. I'll have safety with Ivan. And it's easier than thinking about what may or may not be with Betty. Because I think when it comes to Betty, if she has any feelings for her friendship, romantic otherwise, I think they do run so deep. She doesn't know what to do with them. So her running to Ivan, I think it's just, it is sort of a a rebound and just going, well, I don't want to deal with Betty. So I'll just, I'll go for Ivan because this is... This feels better to me at this point. And I do think they both loved each other, but not... I think Ivan was just... He's a little gullible. But I think... Would it have lasted? I don't know. You know, would it, would they both have been truly happy? I don't know. But the fact that it's so sad when, you know, at the end, when he finds out the truth and that whole thing kind of blows up. You know, you wish it could have been better for them. I do think it's kind of telling that in the season two finale... Kate and Betty have that scene. And what Kate says to Betty is something about how she had more than she ever thought she would. A man who was good to me and a friend, a real friend who loved me is what she says. So I think that's sort of indicative too. I mean, it's not, it's not definitive, but I I do think that's perhaps more revealing about Kate's thoughts on the matter. Meaning that she she liked are you saying that that statement revealed that it was more the idea of Ivan rather than Ivan himself? Yes. I, I'm not understanding your point, I'm sorry. Yes, that is what I'm trying to get at. Okay, okay. That yeah. Yes, I, I think Ivan was important to her. I think she loved him and cared about him, but it seemed less about being madly in love with Ivan than it was that, you know, Ivan's a pretty good guy. <laughs> right. You could do worse than Ivan. <laughs> right. Because, you know, see her father. <laughs> yeah. But I think she's still grateful that she has Betty's friendship at the end, even after everything has happened and it's revealed who she really is. I think that's also what she's saying. Right. That's, that is the other part of what I'm trying to get at, is that as much as she cared about Ivan, it seems like Betty's friendship is the more important relationship to her yeah the way that whole statement is phrased granted she's talking to betty so the whole thing is skewed anyway but but at that point ivan's already left and betty is still there so she's clinging on to that and saying that's i'm really glad you're still here basically because everybody else always leaves or this whole mess with my father so you know it's it's i think the friendship and the camaraderie that she's discovered within working with with these girls that she can count on them more than she could count on the man she was going to marry or her father or anything else. So, 
But isn't that what people will always say anyway, is that romances may come and go, but true friendships can last lifetimes, so... That's damn right. No. <laughs> is yeah. that is that overly sentimental of me? No, no, yeah. I've heard that. No. I think that's one of the main points of the show, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's why this show is so dear to my heart, really, is because it is all about the friendships and how important and valuable those are. Mm-hmm. And especially during this crisis time when the whole world is at war and there's so many uncertainties. People don't know if their husbands and their brothers and their families are going to come home and, you know, they don't know who they can trust. Gladys gets kind of ensnared in this whole spy ring thing. And yet these, these women have each other. And historically the woman who worked in the factories always said that with the uh, research that I've read. So I think that's what, where the show was really coming from when they conceived the show. So that's what I think is really great, that that's what's highlighted in the show the most. So since we're already talking about Kate and Betty's relationship, one of my favorite quotes is sleepy Kate telling Betty, you don't need everybody liking you, just the ones that matter. Hmm. <sighs> I know, right? Yeah, the first season, we really see Kate and Betty's relationship developing, and the audience clearly sees that Betty is a bit more interested in Kate than Kate really seems to realize. But, and, and I, I'm always, she has, you know, she has such this strong reaction when Betty kisses her at the end of season one. It always breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene we see her, she's leaving with her father, and she says, you know, these horrible things about how. You know, look at where my life has become. I'm sp- I smoke, I drink, I make things that kill people. Do what? Do we think that she means that when she when she's leaving, or is she just like paying lip service to her father? During the Lorna episode, we described Lorna as the queen of knee jerk reactions, and I think this is a knee jerk reaction from Kate. So a, a reaction to Betty kissing her, and that just complete coming completely out of left field and. That's what sort of spurs her into making this decision to go with her father. Yeah, I think the whole thing just kind of, you know, as we were talking about, Kate didn't see it coming. And so I think, I think probably if that had not just happened, she probably wouldn't have gone with her father, or at least wouldn't have gone as willingly with her father. I think she's, I don't know, I get the sense that she's just completely questioning everything that's going on in that moment. Just me? Huh. Well, what do you think all that, her questioning everything, was just due to Betty trying to kiss her? And that turns her entire, entire worldview upside down, do you think? Or was it kind of a succession of things? I can't say definitively, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess... One does wonder if it's maybe something she'd been concerned about already, and that just really tipped the scales or something. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. The thing that really makes me question it is that when we see her at the beginning of season two, she's talking to her father about when can we see, when can I see my mother? And she she reacts fairly protectively when Betty shows up. Mm. She doesn't seem angry with Betty, really. Granted, she's had some time to think about things, but it makes me wonder if we miss something and Kate just kind of made the decision that she really wanted to see her mother and the only way to do that was to go with her father. 
That could be too. I mean, that's fair. I, I do think that having some time, see, this is where I'm coming from on the knee jerk reaction front. Cause she doesn't react negatively to Betty showing up aside from being worried for Betty, essentially. Right. When Betty shows up in the beginning of the second season. But yeah, so I guess that's part of why I'm thinking knee-jerk reaction more than anything, that given some time and some distance and perhaps even spending more time with her father again would really change that perspective. You know, coming down after the freakout. Right. To go, well, it's better to spend time with Betty and all my friends and with my father again. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it was kind of kind of both a knee-jerk reaction, but also she's still got her, at least she's still got her religious values very instilled in her. So I think that's part of the freak out with Betty, that that would have been instilled in her, that any sort of romantic advances like that, but especially from a woman would be just instilled in her as very evil and very Old Testament kind of thing. So, But I mean, that kind of goes towards my knee-jerk reaction yeah. assumption. Yeah. Yeah, but I do agree that she's had time to think about things in between seasons one and two, and that she would potentially regret them, but uh, or that she would regret them because she's being very protective towards Betty. But, you know, I don't know. Some part of me thinks that she meant... Uh, part of it at the time so that's what makes it so heartbreaking for me to watch because she just doesn't know what to do she just doesn't know what to do when betty makes advances on her and so she's going to go back to what she knows especially when her father finds her and gives her an out so but the fact that he hit betty at the time and i I was hoping that kate would go back and defend her when her father hit betty and i was just like oh but so but i don't know i think she was again just going back to okay i'm Having this major freak out, so I'm going to go back to what's safe, even if I'm saying something that I know I'll regret later. But don't you think that maybe that's part of why she goes with her father, too? Because her father does have strong, negative, violent reactions, so... Yeah. I think there's a fair amount of fear in that decision, also. Yeah. Of what would happen to her, and even possibly Betty, if she didn't just go with him. Yeah, and... in a way, she could be, she's protecting Betty because she doesn't want to expose her. Now that her father's found them, she doesn't want to expose Betty to, you know, what he can, the punishment he can, that he can inflict. She would rather just go and just be with him and take it herself. Maybe I think it's just a whole mix of things. There, I think there's some times where Kate just, her, you can't always, like, say it's black or white with, I think, this decision, why she goes with her father. And I think that's just, um, but I, I like that, that it's not, the writing isn't like that. You know what I mean? That we can think of it either way. Or we can, you know, that we don't always know her true intentions towards Betty. Does she, is she aware of any romantic advances under the surface? Is she not just, you know, in the second season or in the movie? What are her true feelings towards Betty? So I think because it is ambiguous, to me, that's what makes it kind of attractive that there is this innocence and there is this these feelings that she doesn't know what to do with but i mean it's just because i'm a shipper what a shocker i'm a candor shipper because when betty finds her at the beginning of season two kate goes you know she's protective of betty she doesn't want betty to get hurt she leaves with betty pretty easily at the end of the episode after what happens to her father but we do learn that even though she's not completely 
turned off by Betty the way that her first reaction to Betty kissing her might have suggested. She does have this conversation with Leon later in this season that, you know, she knows that Betty loves her and that kind of love is, according to the Bible, you know, is, is, is not right. And, you know, she thinks the Bible would, and God would judge Betty harshly. And Leon kind of gives her a pep talk. So I find it interesting that she at least comes to the place where she's not like outwardly hostile toward Betty, but she still isn't quite sure about her at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, we were talking a bit ago at the end of the season, she's still grateful for her that she's sticking by her. And they have that scene where they're fa- the two of them are facing each other on the bed. So, and then realizing what she gives up at the end and running to the station when she realizes Betty is confessing. So again, the relationship still is important to her. I think that's just her upbringing, you know, and, and all of that being drummed into her for so many years that this is wrong. This is wrong. It's wrong for this person to be attracted to me, but she's, you know, but I think she's still aware that, Betty still feels something for her and she doesn't know what to do with it. And she doesn't know what to do with it with her own feelings of friendship. Well, I think what Leon says to her partially is what allows her to stay close to Betty. Would, would you think that that's fair, Chris? Yes. I mean, I, I agree. I was going to say, is there really anything better than what Leon says to her? I mean, yeah. Can you remind me of what he says to her? I'm sorry. He says, if you can't love her the way she wants, then maybe you should love her the way you can. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and basically that he feels like it's God's place to judge people, not not theirs. Yeah. So, but, so I I do feel like Leon helps her come to an okay place in order to continue being a friend to Betty. And it's interesting seeing their relationship over season too, because they have some, even though it seems like Kate's father's death might bring them really close together, they have some really rocky patches throughout the season. Right, because I mean, it's it's this great big secret that the two of them have. And I guess I understand where all that complicated stuff is coming from, you know, because I think on Kate's part, especially, there are some complex confusing feelings about the whole thing, you know, because she'd been terrorized by this man, essentially, but he's still her dad. So it's, it's complicated. And there, there's guilt at play in there. There's, I I don't know, I guess you can understand how there would be some, I guess some part of her that blames Betty for some of it, just because that whole situation wouldn't have happened if Betty hadn't shown up. Not, I'm not saying it's justified. I'm just saying that it's understandable why it would be at play in the very confusing place of uh, Kate's, Kate's mind there. That didn't make any sense, did it? I think I got what you're coming, where you're coming from. No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. That, like I was saying earlier, it's like, you know, she has this guilt over her father dying and you know, maybe even we might speculate, how can you have guilt over your father dying when he did so many horrible things to her, but it's still your father. And maybe she remembers a time where they did love each other and he was kind to her when growing up when she was younger. But yeah, and then Betty being on scene when he died. So. It's also interesting to me when Teresa comes around that we we see Kate seem to be a little jealous of Teresa. And I wonder if she's even aware why, you know? 
because well, she is taking away Betty and her time, and you know what it's like when a girl gets a girlfriend and spends more time with a girlfriend. Yeah, or the boyfriend and spends more time with the significant other instead of their friends. So yeah. But do you think that Kate knew that Betty and Teresa were girlfriends, or was she just getting a little jealous because Betty was less available to her as a friend? I don't know. Certainly by the end of the season, it's indicated that Kate knows what's going on. But at the time, I couldn't tell you. Me neither. Obviously, Kate knew that Betty liked women. But I think at that point, at least in the season, she was... Because that was not too long after Betty stopped dating Ivan. So I think maybe Kate was trying to convince herself that Betty had straightened herself out and was dating guys now. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. I think, well, it points to Kate's character. She may be naive and not know a lot about the world, but it doesn't mean that she's unintelligent either, you know? I think she could know a lot more than she's letting on, but A, just doesn't know what to do with it, or B, just doesn't want to say it out loud. And I kind of wonder, I guess what I was getting at, too, is that she might have suspected, but would try to... Deny it, maybe? In her mind. Yeah, exactly. Was basically kind of in denial and be like, mm-hmm. oh, no, but Betty was dating Ivan. She dates boys now. Yeah. Plausible deniability. Exactly. Well, that, you know, and that brings up the point. So with regard to her own feelings, does Kate, like, love Betty as a friend? And cher- she, we know she cherishes that friendship and that closeness. Or does she, the eternal debate, does she love her romantically and not know what to do with it. Of course, this is a big argument within the fandom, from what I hear as a newbie to this fandom. I think the writers are trying to leave it kind of ambiguous. I personally think that Kate just loves her as a friend. I don't think we've seen really a sense that Kate desires her the way that, that Betty desires Kate, but that's just me. I, I, I do think it's more, but I do not think it is cut and dry. Yeah, I think it's pretty ambiguous, too, um, especially seeing the movie. And it's left uh, open that way. And it could, on Kate's part, it could develop into something more. Certainly on Betty's part, it could, or if it has already, but because she's more aware. But I think, I think either one of them, with the friendship they have, and if they keep it in their lives, they would be... They would rather have that friendship than not. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I yeah. think that is the key thing. Because mm-hmm. regardless of the form of the love, they do love each other very clearly and mm-hmm. care about each other and are protective of each other. I feel like both Kate, because of Leon's advice, has gotten to the point where she loves Betty the way that she can, even if she doesn't. Mm-hmm love love betty and i feel like betty has too has gotten to the point where she may still romantically love kate but i think she accepts what kate can can give her and that's very important to her and that's always going to be something that really binds the two of them together yeah i think betty on her part would rather accept kate for what she can give her and have her in her life rather than i think be absolutely sure and make advances and get rejected again because she doesn't want to make any mistakes that would drive Kate from her life. So I think Betty's just about as content as she can be with what she has, because she'd rather have Kate in her life. See, again, it's the prioritization of friendship. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just as sort of a final 
notes, I, again, I just want to say how much I love Charlotte Hegley's voice. I think she has a gorgeous voice. And I really wish that the show would maybe release some of the songs that she's come, mm-hmm. that, that she's sung on the show as MP3s or on a CD or something. Agreed. That would be fantastic. Because I love her voice. Yeah. And it again, as a new fan, I, I had to listen and go, wow, is that really her voice? It was amazing that they could find an actress who could do that part and sing that well and, you know, not have, you know, someone else singing in there. And then for, I think it's the song that she sings at the Jewel Box in the movie, she said that was written for the movie, the first song. Mm-hmm. That's really neat that they did that, that they showcased Charlotte's voice. And again, if they could do a soundtrack, I agree, that would be wonderful. And I really love how they feature her voice so much of the time. It's just very natural and off the cuff. She's clearly singing in the scene. It's not pre-recorded, and she's lip syncing. And I just think it's it's lovely the way that they, they use her singing abilities on the show. Mm-hmm. And the way it's intercut in between scenes to underscore an emotional moment. Yeah, it's very well done. Effective, yes. Especially the the song she sings in the hospital to the the man who's shell shocked and, and can't speak. Mm-hmm. The I don't know the title, but it talks about there is a bomb in Gilead, and that song just really it, it it doesn't make me cry, but I get like chills whenever I watch that scene. It's just so beautifully done. And it made him cry. That's what was important. So, ah, this show makes me so emotional, you guys. <laughs> in case you hadn't noticed. Chris has a lot of feelings about bomb girls. I do. So much so that I pressured them into recording podcast episodes with me. Uh, I just have a newbie and has a ship. What a shocker. And I have a lot of McAndrews feels. So. Really? Do you? I hadn't noticed. Well, you know, then that way the friendship, very important friendship, or as is termed uh, in some cases, romantic friendship, not necessarily a romantic relationship, at least blooms into a romantic thing in my fanfic, but we'll see if I can scroll, get off some Bomb Girls fanfic one of these days. So there are a lot of our feelings and thoughts on Kate. And if you also have a lot of feelings and thoughts about Kate, you can get in touch with us. We'd love to hear those from you. You can go to our website, thebombgirlsbeacon.tumblr.com, and leave a comment on our show notes or leave us an ask. You can email us at bombgirls at drinksatthedoll.com, doll is spelled D-A-L. You can call and leave us a voicemail message, 972-514-7223. Or you can follow me on Twitter for updates on the Bomb Girls Beacon, at Chris Jen, K-R-I-S-G-E-N. My name is Chris. And I'm Annie. And I'm Stephanie. And we'll see you next shift.